Hello, so welcome to episode number 28 of The Space In Between. And today we have uh, Nicole Benoit coming up in just a moment. She's going to share her whole story of um, being a musical theater performer in New York City and you know the trials and tribulations of, of all that. And uh, she's just a really wonderful soul and I look forward to sharing her with you in just a moment. Um, but yeah, what's happening in Nomadland are a um, number of things. Uh, so I'm about to take a little kind of sabbatical in some ways, um, just from teaching. I'll be still present and sharing these podcasts with you all, but I will be heading home to see my family, and then we're heading to Santa Fe for a week. And, uh, and then I'll be going to Europe in June for a couple of weeks. So, um, but you'll still hear my voice every week and I'll report as I go along the, what's going on there. Um, but in terms of nomad land, yeah, we have a number of things happening uh, later this year that I'd love to share with you. Um, if you are looking to become a yoga teacher and you're in Hudson Valley, we're offering our 200 hours and beyond. So this is our your traditional, you know, 200 hours that you need for Yoga Alliance to become a yoga teacher, but we're also offering an additional 20 plus hours um, for your training to take you beyond the mat. So we have other tools like um, a training for if you're interested in teaching bar, we have my new movement class that I'll be teaching you how to incorporate into your yoga classes. And also we'll be incorporating um, a little bit of our tribe training too, so you can understand how to teach the tools of yoga to not only the military, but really um, you can translate these these tools to other populations too, which we'll talk about in the 200 hour. So um, lots of new information that that will be helpful for you if you want to become a yoga teacher or just want to deepen your own practice. That's happening this fall, starting September 20th at Bar Body and Soul. We're offering our, our yoga training there this fall. And what else is happening this fall is Becca Roberts, the owner of Namastasis. We are heading, herself and I, we're, um, we're heading to Belize, November 17th through the 22nd. So we're already filling up there. We already have a number of people signing up. I've been dealing with that today, which is super cool. So you better reserve your spot soon if you want to come. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to Bali uh, in March 2020. And I'm really excited because I'm going to be doing a breathwork training um, this summer. So I think by the time I get to Bali, I will be sharing not only yoga and Movement 109, but breath work. So um, yeah, more tools for your own toolbox on your retreat. So uh, all of this is up now at the website, Nomad Always at Home. You can go check it out for teacher training, Belize, Bali, all that. And now let's, uh, let's go hear what Nicole Benoit has to share with us. All right. So I'm here today with Nicole Benoit. And I just met you. Yes. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and you just got off the plane. Yes. A red eye. Yes. And you are the sweetheart of Cesar Barajas, which was, he was on our episode a couple, mm. a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Uh, so he said, you have a story to tell. I have no idea what this story is. Mm. 
except you're an amazing person. That's what I know from him, mm-hmm. and our interaction has been nothing but amazing. So, um, yeah, let's dive into it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, so um, what do you do? Tell us a little bit about, like, what were you doing? You just got home. Mm-hmm. So, what were you doing? So, I just got off the flight from, uh, from Seattle to here in New York. I was on the West Coast for a whole three days. <laughs> um, initially made the trip to do auditions at a theater out there because I am a musical theater performer. And one of my favorite theaters had their season audition earlier this week. And that happened just the morning after finishing my own <laughs> one month of a play out yeah. near Philly. So all in all, you know, just a multi-hyphenate performer, entertainer, but musical theater is really my safe space. That's nice. Yeah, and I've seen, I've been following you on social media ever since Caesar and I spoke and mm-hmm. following a little bit of, you know, your current journey yeah. of that. And it's just, it brought me back to my own, my own days of, you know, being a performer, but it looks like you are just excelling at what you're doing, and you look like you're having a good time. But you know, yes. social media has social media has yeah. a way of yeah. creating yeah. perception. Yeah. But how do you feel about it? Where where are you at with it? Well, I'm I'm in a really interesting position yeah. right now, where I am on the tail end of a very significant back injury. Oh, okay. That. Otherwise, at this particular age, would usually end most dancers' careers. Yeah. Um, it occurred overseas while doing a show. Okay. And there was zero guarantee from doctors whether I would be able to regain oh. all of my dancing again, which is really, like I said before, it's been my safe space. Mm-hmm. So this this particular production the the play that i just finished and then the opportunity to go and do auditions out in seattle come at a time when i'm like okay i think i can actually continue doing what my heart has been yeah. wanting to do um but it's still it's still a a cha cha sort of every day you yeah. know you take two steps forward or one step forward and then you end up doing two steps back mm-hmm. um but it's it's been something that I continue to look forward to and with hopefulness, but not any expectation, yeah. um, which is different than how I perceived it 10 years ago, you know, yeah. like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in New York City, you know? Yeah. There's a lot more reality and depth to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some might call it adulthood. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It is. It's, it's such an interesting, it's an interesting career path. Yeah. So what what brought you to this career path? Yeah. What does that look like? I grew up in a house full of uh, music educators. So both my parents are teachers. They're I, they're about to be were teachers. My okay. father is retiring at the conclusion of this academic year, after forty years of teaching music. Wow. My mother taught music um, up until about three or four years ago when she retired. Okay. And the opportunity to live a childhood without music was not an option Mm -hmm. because of that. So myself and my two brothers, um, we all found ourselves in music at a very young age, not because it was pressed upon us, but it was just part of the the lifeblood of the home. 
Um, I, I have a very distinct memory of going into the basement of my grandmother's home and there were two pianos downstairs and I would just make up little tunes on the piano. Um, and so my parents were like, okay, she's, we're going to put her in piano. Um, <laughs> so that started that. I was also just singing all the time. So those two elements of music theory, like in sort of the, the tactile way with piano mm-hmm. and then the vocal creative way inside myself, mm-hmm. those started merging when I was very young. Yeah. Um, my friends started taking dance, but I was very much so a tomboy. Okay. Uh, so I was not as interested in dance as I was in gymnastics and running around and trying to be <laughs> athletic. Um, so, so I started in getting involved in dance, but music certainly took more of a forefront as a young child. And it just never stopped. Like I, I had have been given the pressure, you might call it, from my parents uh, when I was turning into a teenager um, and going into high school. You know, you really should choose one of those. You do really well in each of these areas and singing and dancing and music, but you really should choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, for the life of me, couldn't. I couldn't think of not doing one of them. Uh, so I just continued on with that path and the whole trajectory of going into college and doing something that, you know, financially is going to secure some sort of livelihood for yeah. you and longevity. That wasn't necessarily part of my priority. Um, I th- Sorry, yeah. did they? But you had they had the you had that support because they also came from that, too. Yes, kind of. So my um, my mother had always worked with uh, children, starting out actually in art. Okay. Um, and my father was from a very young age a very talented trumpeter, okay. and he actually grew up here in New York City, in and around. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Manhattan School of Music, so he had a uh, very um, virtuous is not the word I want word I want to use, but it's uh, just a very excelled mm-hmm. um, program of focus that he'd started. But he didn't want to go into the concert realm of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to be able to be in the education system. Okay. Um, so I, I I know that 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 aspect of them wanting to instill music in a young age yeah. that became innate for them but it wasn't necessarily something that I think they thought one of their kids would actually try to pursue as a true career interesting as performer as a performer okay interesting yeah I I think they're like uh oh yeah we We gave her inspiration (laughs) and now she wants to you know go (laughs) put the the brakes on yeah and I I think especially going because I grew up in Washington state so the the thought of choosing a career Mm -hmm. um with having grown up in a very small town, um, even though I said I, I went to Seattle for this audition, I grew up in a little orcharding town. So okay. it's known as the Apple Capital, sorry, the Apple Capital of the world. So okay. it's a, it's a beautiful little area on the eastern side of Washington State where we're known for sending out cherries and apples and <laughs> pears. You know, it's not yeah. it's not exactly the type of community that you can easily access a mentor that is succeeding strictly as a performing artist. Yeah. They're usually somehow looped into the education system. Yeah. So I think that the moment of fear, perhaps, with my parents was also that 
she really wants to go and do something that we haven't seen happen okay. here in our community, and she's going to do it in New York City, yeah. and that's 3,000 miles away, and we don't have the opportunity to uh, follow her, you know, essentially into it, so she's going to be all on her own. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. I'm interested because your father did grow up out mm-hmm. in this area, and he did sort of start to take that path. Yeah. And so was there something in that too? Um, not just the where you grew up, but also because he had been here to a mm-hmm. certain extent, and he had made his choices. Yes, I, I had, twice during, my childhood come over with our family for a family reunion because all of his family is actually still in the New York State area. Okay. No one's in New York City proper, but um, without going into like sort of details, uh, he had a, a very difficult childhood. Okay, and. To, to what I perceive in, in my opinion, um, that that was enough for him to pivot and not want to be in this area. Yeah. So Washington State uh, came out of him joining the military, being in the um, uh, the military band, okay. and him saying, "You can send me pretty much anywhere. Just keep me on the mainland." And they sent him to Washington State, and he just literally never came back. Okay. He also has a green thumb yeah. that probably developed out of the fact that they mm-hmm. never had green space you yeah. know, growing up as oh, a kid sure. here. And suddenly you get out to western side of Washington, and it's evergreen trees and you know glorious mountains, yeah. and he just never, <laughs> never decided yeah. to come back. Um, so I think that there is an element also of that where yeah. perhaps there is a a twinge of the unknown, um, that even though we can say, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, a city is not going to be the same as it was mm-hmm. back then. Absolutely. You're still not sure, you know? Yeah. And, and he, it sounds like he had his own obstacles and struggles. Yes. And he didn't want his little girl to have to go through a similar ones. Probably not. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a, have been on that side because I also came from a family with my grandfather was a musician mm. and it was instilled in me to a certain to because of that I think too but he I remember having conversations with him like basically telling me you know what it's going to be he was very yeah. realistic about yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah I didn't I didn't have a rubric like yeah. that at yeah. all I um what what I did have along the way growing up, though, was a lot of teachers that saw that there was something in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it wasn't necessarily, I think, like a particular talent, but there was a particular drive yeah. and insistence in, in yeah. my soul that wanted the critique, that wanted the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if there's, if there's any place in the United States to go to, or essentially in the world, mm-hmm. to combine all those elements of musical theater and dance... Um, and acting, there's no place I can choose to yeah, pursue it more highly than New York City. <laughs> you know? true. Yeah. And I mean, what you just said, the discipline, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's talent. Yes, you absolutely need to have talent, but it's that discipline, that yeah. dedication that yeah. really gets you in the door. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just being so, that perseverance of just showing up every day. Mm-hmm. 
And your teacher saw that in you. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back. So you decided, you were deciding, okay, this might be my my, my calling, yeah. the yeah. Um, being a performer. Mm-hmm. And so that was prior to college? Yeah, that was actually towards the end of high school. Okay. Um, and again, it wasn't, it wasn't this thing of, I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to succeed. It was very much so, like New York had this certain luster to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if it came from my parents or other mentors, but that idea that if you want to do something that you really love, you know, and especially if it's something physical um, or artistic, mm-hmm. just run with it as best as you can because there are no guarantees that you'll ever be able to come back to it. I think that that stuck in me, especially from a dance perspective, mm-hmm. um, very, very deeply in me. Uh, because I, I, I excelled in other areas of academia, and I certainly could have... My parents would love to say that I would have been a great lawyer because I'll <laughs> argue all the time. But um, there, there were other areas that I could have really done well in, I believe. But there was just something about perhaps all this time that I had spent um, that had changed my life and developed me as a human, as a sister, as a daughter as a friend in the arts that I wasn't, I just wasn't willing to give up just yet. You know, I was willing to see how far I could go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The curiosity. That's a great word for it. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting looking, looking back because it was, I don't remember the moment that I was like, I'm going to do this. It was just a slow transition into this is part of who I am and I'm going to continue doing that in college yeah that's great just okay I like this let me see what the next step is yeah instead of having that that idea of oh New York I'm gonna conquer that and be in all these Broadway shows exactly you just said oh I'm curious I like this what's the next yeah yeah so then you then that's what you did you went off to college Mm -hmm. in New York I went to upstate I was in Buffalo okay which for the majority of people in Buffalo, they thought it was so bizarre that someone from Washington State would be going there, particularly for a musical theater and dance program. And I did I'm, dual major. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Did you know how far Buffalo was from New York City? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm going to New York. Yeah. Oh, I'm seven hours away from yeah. New York. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'd essentially, in looking up the colleges that I was interested yeah. in, I had based a lot of them off of Dance Spirit magazine, which mm-hmm. I, I think I really, yep, yep, yep. And they had like a college <laughs> issue and uh, I went through and saw what they had for dance programs in there. And then the Google was like just becoming a thing oh, at that yeah. point. So I was also <laughs> able to look up which schools had musical theater programs. Okay. Because I had the ability to go strictly into concert dance, but I didn't want to be segued, you know, yeah. directly into that. I wanted to be as you know, holistically trained as yeah. possible. And my family just, you know, coming from a family of two elementary public school teachers, we didn't have any of the money to be able to go to be able to send me off to like a conservatory somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it was only state schools that I had applied to. Okay, and to mm-hmm. be in Buffalo is a heck of a lot closer than 
being in Washington State, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> or, you true. know, areas of Philly, you know, possibly. Yeah. Um, so it was that that school was actually not on the top three of my list. But okay. when I went there, they had such an excellent display mm-hmm. of their students and the work that they were doing and an opportunity to meet and greet mm-hmm. uh, students that were juniors and seniors from multiple disciplines in that school that I was like, I, I think this is, this is it. I don't care that it's in the snow belts, you know, yeah. nine hours away sometimes by bus, yeah. you know, from oh New York gosh. city, but, but I can do that. You know, yeah. I'd rather go somewhere that I felt like there was a connection within that space too, yeah. than perhaps somewhere else that might've been more reputable, but I just wouldn't have had a connection, you know, within myself too. Yeah studies so you so you ended up there Mm -hmm. you went there for four years I went there actually for five years five years okay so the the program for the dual degree because they're both in the arts so I have a BFA in musical theater okay a BA in dance and I also have a minor in classical vocal performance okay and because of the specific classes that you have to take especially those final years of each degree some of them were so conflicting that I had to extend for another year uh, just to get them all done properly. Yeah. So I spent five years in Buffalo. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it was really liberating once I finished that first degree and I could just focus that very final year on fewer studies, um, fewer classes, I should say, and really start honing into exactly what a move to New York City would look like. Yeah. So during those five years, was that you were getting more and more curious about New York, it sounds like? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, that, that luster was always there from yeah. being a kid. So it wasn't ever, I, I, don't, I don't ever remember feeling fear. Mm-hmm. regarding a move to New York City, I only ever felt excitement. That's I think great. I knew in my heart that it wasn't, like I wasn't going to show up and suddenly, you know, become some sort of star. And that wasn't the goal anyway. So yeah. that that pressure was already off of me. Yeah. Um, the pressure to do well with my degrees and my schooling, I think was also off of me because I already felt like I was moving in a direction that was very successful um, for myself. Um, there certainly wasn't pressure from my parents to be like, well, you need to make the best of these thousands of dollars, you know, because they, they, even they didn't have an idea of exactly what a path post, uh, university looked like. Um, so I, I think it gave me the opportunity to move to New York city and make it my playground more than anything else. So, and you moved right after your, your almost, I, I spent one I almost said semester. I spent one <laughs> fall and winter still back in Buffalo because I'd been cast in a production. Okay. And I ended up moving January 6th of the the following year. Okay. So I had like half a year to collect my things and okay. um, and get make a move seeds. in a blizzard. <laughs> get some seeds, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was able to secure some housing that I'd never physically been to yeah. prior to moving into it, but I secured housing um, through one of my, my college castmates um, for New York, and I just hit the ball running. You know, yeah. I, I auditioned the very first day 
I should say the, the very first day I got to New York City, I was moving in. But the next morning, I had the best sleep of my entire life. And yeah. it was right here, you know, with this above ground subway. And I was like, <laughs> I'm never going to sleep with an above ground subway. And it was so calming. Oh, because you felt at home. Yeah, it was just, and I even got off at the wrong subway stop. Okay. And I still, knowing that I was in the wrong spot, I still felt this wash of home mm. to it. Um, and I'd never been in this neighborhood before, <laughs> part yeah. of that. Um, but how long I, ago was that? Sorry. That was uh, eight years ago. Okay. Now. Okay. A little more than eight years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there is something to New York. I think that, and we're in Queens right now, um, yes. there is something to it that you do there's even when I come back I feel like ah, I can fall right back into this yeah. mode yeah right back into the groove of it yeah uh, it does feel like home to me too mm-hmm. um, but it maybe it was because for you that seed was planted so far ago so, yeah. you know yeah um without that expectation that you know of coming here and like you said being in a Broadway show or making it yeah you just knew that there was something being called to you yes to be here absolutely yeah absolutely so what is so what is that looking like for you the past I don't know eight years <laughs> eight years uh well I if if there's a couple pieces of pieces of advice that I can share with younger yes. frazzled you know musical theater yeah. um students or you know uh one of the things is that Truly, you know, there's there's so much pressure that the younger generations put on themselves to be perfect at an audition. And, yeah. and truly, I can look back at the, the folder, essentially, of shows that I've done. And most of those castings, I look back and I'm like, wow, you know what? I, that was the right place in the right time. It mm-hmm. was just right place, right time. Yeah. And it didn't have anything to do with, you know, if my hair was parted down the middle or if I had my <laughs> lipstick on or should I wear my fake eyelashes today? You know, I had nothing to do with that. Because yeah. I had spent so many mornings already during college taking a midnight bus from Buffalo down to New York City, landing in Chelsea and standing outside. I still distinctly remember one morning I was standing outside in line and I was number like 323 mm-hmm. on the non-equity list. And I still at that time, I didn't even really understand what union versus non-union yes, equity versus... you were still versus, in college or something. I was still in college okay. at that point. Yeah. You know, I didn't... I was still gaining information about the yeah. land that I was about to be a part of. <laughs> and... And by the time that I showed up in New York, the very first audition that I went to, I ended up getting cast in and it was for a show that I did not know really anything about yeah but I look back and the song that I auditioned with couldn't have been a more perfect song mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and I didn't you even didn't plan even it I yeah. didn't even plan it it was just know? universe said here you go you know sing this song right <laughs> and and the the outfit that I wore mm-hmm. that day like I look back and I I wouldn't normally wear that now but that's just the the thing that I could pull out of my suitcase, you know, it what yeah. none, none of it was like I'm mind. going to do exactly what I have to do, you know, that I've been yeah. trained to. It's just like just show up. Just show up. So, so that that started out my my what now I guess you could call a New York City career is mm-hmm. literally just showing up, up at this audition and getting a call after a couple, you know, callbacks. Yeah. Um, getting a call two weeks later 
And that was actually a huge relief, not just for the sake that it felt uh, affirming that I'm here and doing something wonderful, but I had worked out my, uh, I was working at a restaurant in Buffalo at that time before moving and they transferred me to Long Island and someone had told me that the commute from Astoria, Queens to that area on Long Island was really rough and most people dropped like flies. And the commute was. The commute was. Okay. And I, being the very <laughs> gumption-filled <Yeah. laughs> girl that I was, uh, am, um, I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to make it work. I'm like, I got this. I'm going to do this. And that commute was getting really brutal because there were very severe blizzards okay. that, that winter. And that job came at about, so it started about two months after I arrived in New York and I just had to survive two months of Mm -hmm. this commute back and forth to this restaurant on Long Island. And, and then everything sort of just fell in place after that. I made more connections with those people that I had the show, um, show with, and I ended up moving to a different restaurant. And then, you know, this hustle of what is it like to physically be in Manhattan every single day? Yeah. Can you take class? Can you afford to take class? Can you guest into someone's class? How many auditions do you go to? You know, how, how long do you wait until you print your resume or your <laughs> headshot so that you can save those extra couple dollars? Yeah. You know, so you can buy whatever it is from the dollar store for your meal. <laughs> I do not miss those days. Yeah. 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 So you were in Queens. So you got, you got the job. Mm-hmm. Your your space your restaurant in Buffalo transferred you to Long Island. So you're mm-hmm. in Queens, going out to Queens and or sorry out to Long Island, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're also coming into the city just so yes. people know like where you're going. So yeah. you're going in and out of the city, which is probably yeah. about a half hour, mm-hmm. and then out to Long Island, which is what was that? Depending on the weather yeah. that day, um, and it, it was a three train commute out there, okay. so it was anywhere between two and three hours, <sighs> one way. One way. And One way. it's a restaurant, so you're restaurant. making that back in at nighttime. Correct. So, so I night. would oftentimes get into Penn Station at about 3 or 4 in the morning after uh, my shift was done. Yeah. And then rinse and repeat. And then the you get to day. go and wake up and go to audition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or rehearsal or yep. whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and that was for two months? Or that, that was, was for... That was for two months. Okay. Yep. And then after that, I... In the dead of winter, it sounds like. In the dead of winter. (laughs) Literally. February and March. Yeah. That was your test. Yeah. That that, that was literally the first three months of my life in New York, you know? Yeah. And I I don't know anyone that moved to New York and their first couple months wasn't filled with some sort of chaos. Yeah. I just had, this past week, we had Therese Plummer, who is Mm. also an actress. Yeah. And we talked about it. it's the, a year. We we came to the conclusion a year. Mm. That first year yeah. of being in New York, it's that ultimate test. Yeah. And if you can be here for a year, it's like it's like their haze. Yeah. It's the city's haze. Yeah. To time. Like, are you gonna make it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I gave myself in my mind. Um, I gave myself after graduating college. I was like. I can give myself five to seven years in New York and five to seven years. If I haven't felt like I have been satiated artistically or I feel like the city is burning me out, then I can, I can leave. Yeah. I can go. 
and eight years later... I'm about to say, <laughs> you're in tears, where are you, you at? Know, you're still I, going. Yeah. And that's interesting, too. You said five to seven years, that was prior. You mm-hmm. arrived. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like your, um, your back injury, yes. was that around the time? Yeah. That would have been your test. Like, okay, yeah. it was yeah. the universe asking... What do you want to yeah. do here? What do you feel Nicole? like? Yeah. And and so um, how did, I don't want to jump too far ahead, mm-hmm. but how was that for you, um, not being able to audition or, mm-hmm. you know, do what, everything yeah. that you were used to? You know, yeah. you had come here and it sounds like you got into a nice groove for, mm-hmm. you know, the, the past like those five, seven years mm-hmm. and you were, it sounds like you were doing pretty well for yourself yeah. Yeah. and... Then you got this injury. Yeah. And what did that look like for you? So I was in, I was in a um, touring production, international touring production of Chicago, the musical. And that was in Asia at that time. So this is now about a year and a half ago. So almost two summers ago. Okay. And as, as dancers, you know, we're just, very aware of the little idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. of our body yes. and where one person who may not be uh, in a physical realm of career, you know, might think of a tweak in the side of the knee being like, oh, it's fine. It's cool. You know, it'll just be fine. Yeah. You know, we, we have this understanding of the small nuances between, yeah. oh, that's not a normal tweak. Um, I clearly overworked this, so that's what that tweak is for. You know, you, yeah. you categorize your, your pain level. Yeah. yeah, you have to constantly check in. Yeah. So I was in uh, Seoul, Korea for two months straight doing a show, and I started to notice that my lower back was having symptoms of a herniated disc that I knew that I had a small herniated disc okay. uh, ever since I was in college. But this just felt different, mm. um, different and much worse. So I kept monitoring it, and it ended up manifesting into symptoms that were very alarming. And you're in a different country, so you know, you're know you not going to try to be like, I'm not going to do this show, send me back to the U.S. Yeah. Let me just get through the rest of the contract, because I only had about two months left at that point um, okay. once we tacked on Japan and Taiwan after And so for Korea. somebody who isn't in the arts, what does yeah. your schedule look like? So the schedules in Asia are different okay. than in the U.S. Oftentimes in the U.S. you have eight performances a week. Yep. Each performance, depending on the show, will be between two and three hours. And that schedule is Tuesday through Sundays. Generally, two shows on a Wednesday two shows on a Saturday, Mm -hmm. oftentimes two shows on a Sunday. Um, But more than nine shows a week is considered overtime. Technically, nine shows is overtime in of itself, but to go over nine shows is really unusual for a full musical production. And in Asia, we were sometimes doing 10 shows a week. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, you're it's not just you hang out all day long until the show. You have to physically maintain your body. You have yeah. to eat well. You have to rest up in a different country with very different cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be challenging. Yeah. So I, I, I love traveling. I love exploring. I love trying new food. So it wasn't as much of a stressor for me. And I've always been very disciplined enough that, to know when and what I need to do to work out and keep my body fit. Yeah. 
but uh, to go back to the injury, it was just, there was just, it, there was something bizarre happening. Yeah. And it kept progressing. And I eventually said, I, I need to go and see a doctor somewhere. And unfortunately, there wasn't, there wasn't a priority or a, seem of, or a sense of urgency within yeah. the management at that time regarding that. But a lot of us were pretty much dropping like flies. Everyone was starting oh, wow. to feel weird aches and pains. Oh. And what would later become known to me is me having two herniated discs, one in my lumbar, one in my sacrum, um, and then another in my neck. Oh, okay. Part of that... Uh, was in the same parallel with other cast members who are also experiencing spinal issues, and we found out that the stage was a harder stage and not sprung in the way okay. that we were used to. I was to. wondering about that. That was yeah. what my first thought was. Yeah. And so in this production, if anyone hasn't seen Chicago, yeah. or if you know, it's yep, you're tiny in Chicago. tiny little heels, yes, you are. walking around in pretty much nothing but yeah. your underwear. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> It's, it's very athletic, mm-hmm. um, but also very stylized in that yeah. sense. And the amount of... All the stuff. I mean, yeah. you're constantly in a pelvic tilt. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yep. You know. In so it's, it. it's a lot of contortion, essentially, yeah. while being in heels. Yes. So th- over the course of two months on a hard stage, mm-hmm. that's just going to wear away at your body in ways that Absolutely. we don't realize they are, you know. Yeah. So I ended up being admitted to... Um, the Olympic Sports Center that was in in Seoul had my amazing translator with me, um, Kimmy, <laughs> and uh, they they shot all the X rays, um, and determined that. And I said, well, I I can't go back to the US right now. I'll just if I can just get medication, and so that started a journey of me being a very holistic uh, wellness person. I. I don't oftentimes resort to medications even for t- severe, you know, yeah. inflammation or uh, colds. Yeah. And there was simply no option. Yeah. There, I had to do that. So it became this two-month, very severe spiral downwards until in Taiwan, I literally woke up one day and could not move. Oh. And... Without, without getting too graphic, um, I essentially had to throw myself off my hotel bed to okay. get to the ground because I couldn't lift myself without uh, excruciating pain. Yeah. So the the discs that were already bulging out um, had just isn't they didn't rupture or blow out, but mm-hmm. something happened in that time that my body was like, "You're stopping now," even with mm-hmm. all the medication. So. In Taiwan, we only had one last week when that happened, before flying back to the U.S. And, and you got to get up and do a show that day. Well, I couldn't. <laughs> I physically couldn't. Yeah, it sounds like it. It was it was impossible to physically stand up straight. I yeah. couldn't bend my legs. I'm sorry, I couldn't straighten my legs. Um, I had my cast members, whom I had. They're they're just my soul sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
play on words because we really bonded while we were in Seoul, South Korea. But <laughs> but in my heart, you know, we, yeah. all, we all had a very strong faith connection. And I just said, hey, you guys, I literally am pretty much naked on the floor right now. I can't yeah. get up. I can't reach my clothes. I The medication isn't kicking in the way that it used to. So yeah. can you help me get to the ER? And for injections later and a flight back to the U.S., it's the last year of my life, year yeah. and a half of my life has been this steady climb back up. Yeah. And I did question whether many times I was like, okay, is this the universal sign for sure? Yeah. That you did your seven years in New York, you ended on a high note, mm-hmm. um, you're with a phenomenal, globally recognized company, mm-hmm. you know, you should be happy with that, bye-bye. You know, yeah. that, there was that little voice. But I think because my whole life, my sense of home, my sense of safety, my sense of communication um, to others, the majority of my relationships that had been developed throughout my life Mm -hmm. were based in the arts. Mm -hmm. Not being able to access that or speak that language anymore was almost more debilitating than the actual injury. Like, I knew that my body would recover to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but to not be able to go back and speak that language anymore yeah. was truly the worst fear that I think I've ever had. Um, you know, a lot of people, they might fear, like, you know, drowning or, you know, like a plane crash. It's like but losing a limb. Truly. It really truly. is. I've thought about that for myself. Mm-hmm. Of just this thing called dance. It's like another appendage that I yeah. have. Yeah. And yeah. every once in a while starts this phantom appendage starts to move. I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, so then you came back and you were questioning this. Mm-hmm. What did that year look like for you? The, the following year, um, I, I, I will say that the, because this happened while I was on the job, mm-hmm. I was dealing with workers' comp. And anyone okay. who has ever dealt with workers' comp has probably had somewhat of a similar situation to me where it didn't exactly pan out like you feel like your idea of compensation from work is. Like, oh, I can chill out and put my feet on the couch. No, that's not happening. No, it was was a very, very difficult um, year and a half, and technically the case is still not closed, um, of trying to advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though this insurance company, you know, <laughs> provides care for those that have been disabled from performance careers, there's not an actual rubric. And I found this out. There's not an actual rubric, like a medical book mm-hmm. that defines exactly for them what different pathways you need to take to, have a performer recover versus someone that's just sitting Mm, at a table accounting. It's, it's just very cut and dry. And in, in my opinion, um, very archaic to think that someone recovering from a disability where they had a elite performance level athletic facility as their work, um, that recovering 60% of that is truly not enough for them to return to any sort of work like they previously used to do. Whereas you get 60% back of, you know, um, everyday activities, and you can certainly, of course, sit back at your accounting 
yeah. desk or whatever it is. I don't know yeah. why accounting comes to, to That's mind. That's fine. So it was, it was a, it was a battle that I didn't expect. Like mm-hmm. I, and I certainly didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't expect that my, my insurance company would be sending flowers by any means, <laughs> but but to try to explain to people that have never been in the performance world mm-hmm. the degrees to which I can't do something, it, it's just in one ear and out the other. You know, yeah. To not be able to do your splits as yeah. a professional dancer, that's a problem. Yeah. To not be able to do a full back bend, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, foot movements, you know, having everyone has a more dominant side and for dancers, you need that to not be so aggressively dominant. You know, you need to be as ambidextrous as possible. So especially with a spinal injury, my spine had been so contorted that even my rib cage wasn't allowing me to breathe properly. Okay. Um, I had severe sciatica down both legs. I still deal with nerve damage in my hip. So trying to even a year and a half later get back to a point of where I have one side communicating properly in terms of the neurons communicating properly yeah. to the other side, it, it's still not there. But yeah. but that in the terms of rubric of the insurance, yeah. that doesn't really matter as much. So in a long-winded way to, to loop it back to your question of what does that look like, um, it, it really... The last year and a half half has made me very aware of how different I felt and perhaps not dancing is the first fear in my life, but I think being misunderstood, I didn't realize how, how much being misunderstood Mm -hmm. was, um, crumbling Mm -hmm. to my spirit, especially when it came to doing something that was never a guarantee in the first place. I always yeah. thought of it as a gift, a privilege, yeah. an opportunity, a playground. Um, so the hope to get back to it was obviously so so paramount in my mind mm-hmm. because that was synonymous with happiness. And what what insurance mm-hmm. company wouldn't want you to go back to work and be happy again, you know? <laughs> um, but I did have an extraordinary, I do have, I should say, an extraordinary physical therapist that works yeah. with the New York City Ballet. Yeah. And if if I hadn't had her, I think that I would not be where I am right now. Uh, the opportunity that I'm sitting here on my floor, you know, yeah. with my feet out in front of me, which I couldn't do okay. for a long time. Yeah. Um, to be able to sit upright directly over my pelvis is something I couldn't do for a very long time. Just simply going up and down stairs used to be a challenge. So, yeah, it was just little steps all along the way. And did you feel, I mean, there was a huge piece of you saying, okay, this is probably it, Mm -hmm. it sounds like. So what were, how did that feel and what were your other options? Yeah. I... I, I don't really know exactly if I felt like my other options were viable enough um, to make me as happy as <laughs> happy, and I say that with quotes, yeah. um, as me keeping on a path of just trying to recover. Yeah. 
So it was more just, just let me recover. Yeah. It wasn't even yeah. just let me see yeah. what else is yeah. there. Because you couldn't even see beyond that. No. Yeah. And I, I was on so many medications in Asia mm-hmm. that I was also dealing with uh, a withdrawal from a that. A total fog. Yeah. So making very rational, logical decisions um, was very challenging for me. Like my, my lifestyle already had to change because I couldn't think clearly after being on these medications for three months. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I thought of continuing education, you know, getting a master's. Um, and I tried to think of how I could do maybe mentoring in the meantime, you know, because mm-hmm. so, I'm still having to put food on my plate. Um, yeah. But I, and in, in what feels like a previous life, even before this injury started, I did have a nonprofit in Washington state. Yeah. You mentioned that before we got Mm -hmm. on, what, what was that? So that, that was a nonprofit born out of where I saw in my hometown and specifically the Eastern side of Washington. Okay. So for anyone who uh, isn't aware of the topography, essentially, of Washington State, <laughs> um, you have these beautiful Cascade Mountains that mm-hmm. essentially split the state in half. Okay. And Seattle um, and the capital, Olympia, are on the west side of the mountains, very green, very lush. You know, everyone thinks yeah. of it as being this, you know, sort of uh, dank, rainy area, <laughs> yes. you know. Um, but then the eastern side, because those mountains are just so magnificently tall... The eastern side doesn't get the same rainfall because it all stops on there. So you have this agricultural side that is very different in community-wise, even times just simply ideology um, from the west side. So the west side is very techy. The east side is, uh, I guess, just more of a familial like sort of feel to it. And having had the opportunity to be able to collaborate across the arts and technology through college, every time that I would come back to Washington State, I'd be like, oh, wow, like, I think that I could really help this community that okay. that has, you know, a wonderful classical arts, you know, program for youth. Um, and it also has a really wonderful visual arts okay. um, uh, current that's happening there. And there's, there's, you know, some other, like, underground, like, little poetry things that are happening. Oh, but there's nice. not really any opportunity for these artists that aren't pursuing mm-hmm. a collegiate degree or they're perhaps they're doing really unusual work. There's no forum for them to be able to present this and meet okay. other artists. So I created a program called the Local Enterprising Artist Project. So okay. the acronym was LEAP. Nice. Um, and it would essentially take artists from all disciplines Mm -hmm. and create a space for them to Mm cross-pollinate for the first time because otherwise there was no way for anyone to even meet someone else except by chance within the arts. So we would create a a large interdisciplinary uh, piece for the community, um, sort of like kind of like a festival Mm -hmm. once a year. So that'd be the culminating project and I would help direct that and advertise it and of course just verbally advocate for it. And I would go back and forth for that um, every year okay. for at least four years. I did okay. that. Oh wow! So I, I thought about you know, well, what if I what if I pick up leap again? Mm-hmm. What if I even maybe go and get further um, further further business mm-hmm. uh, degrees like under me to then help support that in a different way? Yeah. 
And even though that was an incredibly um, uh, growth-filled time in my life, mm-hmm. it, it, that didn't seem like the right option either. Okay. So I had all these these yeah. ideas. There's but lots of questions. Mm-hmm. Should I do this? Yeah. Should I do that? And so... What was yeah. the answer? The answer was just get better. Just get better. <laughs> just get better. And you know, my my incredible partner Caesar, yes. um, he we we call each other team. And yeah. I, I'm sure that in our social media posts, people are just like eye rolling every time they see team. <laughs> oh, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but I I think again everything right time and place whether it be performance or just in our individual lives. Um, had I not had a true teammate mm-hmm. in my partner, I don't think that anyone could have been able to handle what I was experiencing during that time. And okay. he, having been in the arts, but also having been outside of the arts in his lifetime okay. and the tools that he carries with his yoga and meditation, it, it came to this beautiful like supply source for me that Mm -hmm. said, Nicole, listen, your job right now, I know your job has always been to do 200 things at once and you love doing that, but (laughs) literally your job is just to heal because you're not even good to yourself, you know, if you can't heal. Yeah, that's true. Um, So I I tried to accept that as much as I could, but that's difficult to go from 200 miles an hour and loving what you do at 200 miles an hour to then... 10. 10, maybe on a good day, you know, (laughs) like if I got to the top of the stairs, like I I still remember all these incremental times, like the first time that I could straighten my legs again while standing. Um, You know, the first time that I could uh, tuck my rib cage back in because it had been so pushed out Mm -hmm. of alignment, you know, it's just those little tiny things. Yeah, they're huge. You know, but I, yeah, I just spent that year trying to remember that it's my job Mm -hmm. to heal and that no job can come from this if I if I don't have a recovered facility. Yeah. And I think that is something for everybody to carry away, whether they're yeah. in the arts or injured or anything. It's just, it is our job to heal. Yeah. It's yeah. our job to heal because we can't do what we love like yeah. you or we can't be of service to others. Yeah. We can't fulfill our own happiness yeah. if we're not mm. healing. I think also I, I discovered during that time... Um, that so much of, so much of what made me happy was me feeling like I was being productive. Mm. And so to go to that deeper level of not just having a physical recovery, but to, to always perceive myself as a very productive person. Yeah. And to physically not do anything, but just, you know, succeed in making a stand up meal, you know, for that day. It just mentally was eroding on who I thought I was. So recovering enough to the point where it's not that I needed to feel productive again, but I needed to understand who I was during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that goes for anything. It's me, me not being able to dance probably sounds very trivial to many people that are not in the arts, you know. But again, it is a language, and if it's... It's a language, it's, it's a sense of pride and value in mm-hmm. what I have invested all my life in. Um, so to have that so suddenly stripped away is like having anything else that has been near and dear to you since the time that you were five years old being suddenly stripped away. And I'm not sure that many people may have mm-hmm. something that is 
so close to them that they can trail back to, you know, being in pigtails or being in little dirty sneakers on a bike out in an alleyway. You know, there's not many things that we carry with us aside from family, perhaps, and friends that feel like if they're stripped away that that's a part of their entire life that's disappeared. That's that's a very good point. I think that a lot of us, it, it's a gradual mm-hmm. stripping away over time, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm I can't do that anymore. Oh, I have to yeah. grow up or whatever. Yeah. But you know, artists, I think that we do. We truly carry it with us. Yeah. And when we have something like that, like what you went through with mm-hmm. an injury, it it does. It, yeah. It's being stripped away. Yeah. But I think people outside. I don't want to stereotype but generally yeah more so people outside of the arts who just kind of take this path Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um it is more of a subtle stripping away but I hope that this somehow brings them back and makes them back up to um, what that is when they wear pigtails and yeah Because it is. I mean, there's such joy when you, even just sitting here listening to you and watching Mm. you speak of it, there's such a glow, you know, Mm. within you. And there is, it is, it's such a joy. And you haven't slept all day. And yet you're still still glowing from it because it is that, uh, yeah, Yeah. the arts, there is something very quite healing in itself. And then not to have that. If that was your source of healing yeah. and happiness, and then you don't have that anymore, yeah. it's like, how do I heal yeah. myself? Yeah. And the production thing, too, I really relate to yeah. as well. I think that is instilled in us, yeah. you know, with yeah. having that discipline of you have to always be there. You have to do this, this, mm-hmm. this, this, this. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, you're not going to get the job. Or yeah. um, And it is, you've just got to relearn how to be productive and yeah. quotes yeah. Uh, in a different way. You know, oh, I made dinner today. Yeah. That was how I was productive, as yeah. you said. Yeah. And let's celebrate that. Yeah. And that's just bringing it back to the simplicity of, mm-hmm. of life. And yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, what a journey. And so you just finished your first show back or your second show back? This is... This is actually now my third show. Oh, your third show. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, awesome. against the, um, essentially the, the dismay of, of my love and uh, my <laughs> doctor at the time, um, I, after eight months of my injury, yeah. I was feeling better, but I certainly was not by any means um, at even 80%. Uh, but I just creatively, I was starting to self-implode and I had the Mm -hmm. opportunity to recapitulate a role that I had done before many years ago for production also out in Philly. And I, I said, yes. (laughs) Um, I guess what I'm doing, honey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I knew that there would be risk going into it. Um, but because the role was, as specific as it was for me, I knew that there would be room for me to be able to help curate what I can and can't do. Okay. So it wasn't me throwing myself yeah. back into the wolves. Um, yeah. But that that was... Sounds like the best case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, awesome. And it was still close to home, so I could visit yeah. my physical therapist and do my checkups as yeah. needed. Um, but I did that, and then I um, spent the next like five or six months... Um, continuing to recover. Yeah. I did a show down in Florida that just went over this past new year. 
And then I finished the play on Sunday. Yay. And I I <laughs> I am unbelievably grateful. Um and this this is part of the confirmation that I feel like is being bestowed upon me that I've never had four jobs essentially lined up. Yeah. Um and I have one now lined up for for June. Okay. Um Good. and that's a very physically fit production that I'm okay. going to be doing. So so it it feels like I made the right decision. It does. Yeah. To return. It, it's, I mean, just looking at you, it <laughs> seems like that and watching your journey unfold just the past month or so since I've been following you, it yeah. seems like you're back in your stride. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, man. <laughs> I hear you. That's wonderful. So, yeah. Cool. Well, is there anything else you want to share while we're here? Oh, oh goodness! I mean, we can always do another one. I know. There's so much. There, 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 there is so much in life. Um, no, I, I, I think that. I, I, I guess I just want I want to thank you for taking time to just help unpack people's stories because it's so easy, especially in a city like New York City, surrounded by millions. Yeah. It's so easy for us to just not humanize other people true yeah and and we all have our good and bad days you know we all have our days when we feel a little more charitable and other days when we feel less to, you know tolerant and um and I I'm I'm beyond grateful to still be standing and mm-hmm. I think that through that injury especially um you know, it, it did teach me so things, but I so many things. But I think it gave me a little more grace yeah. to be able to walk around with um, grace and gratitude mm-hmm. for for just the the what feels sometimes like a shell, you know, that our body is. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that being able to continue to humanize mm-hmm. where we are in our path, um, whether that be eighteen months of recovery or, you know, five years of living a hurried, busy life in New York City or Beacon or wherever we may be, <laughs> you know, um, I think it's just really important, especially today, to remind each other that every single person is somewhere in their life and you may not catch them at that right chapter that feels um, relatable, but yeah. we're all still in the same same journey together we all have different stories but it's all the same in so many ways I mean just hearing you and it's bringing me back to my own my own journey too and that's what I really love about you know this all sort of just Mm. fell into unfolding it's still unfolding this podcast yeah but it is I love being able to sit and have people share their stories I mean you and Therese who was on last week too Mm are, you know, storytellers, right? You get mm. on stage and you, you share other people's stories, right? Yeah. That were, weren't, weren't written as you, but you're, you know, basically yeah. a character. Yeah. And you're using your body and your voice. And we don't get to know those little genuine souls that are inside yeah. that are so special. Yeah. And so I love, you know, being able to share artists and their sto- yeah. their actual stories, but just the every everybody. We all have our own story, and we do. Yeah. We get sort of lost in our own shell, yeah. as you said. Yeah. And it's really important that we remember our own, but then also see each other's, yeah. you know, we reflect each other all the time. Yeah. So thank you yeah. for thank you letting thank me you. come to your beautiful <laughs> space yeah. and sharing your story. And 
I yeah, it's such a joy getting to actually meet you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, and we're gonna have you, you back again. Yes, please. Yes. Thanks, baby. Thank you, Nicole. Mm-hmm. All right. So I do hope you enjoyed our time with Nicole. Uh, I certainly did. It was really kind of interesting to sit down with her and hear her journey and sort of reflect on my old days of moving around as a professional dancer and, you know, all the trials and tribulations that come with that. Uh, So it was really, really um, informative and just um, a joy to sit with her too. So I hope you enjoyed that. And again, we have so much happening in nomad land. So, you know, these podcasts are here for you every week. Um, even though I'll be traveling around, I'll have these, um, delivered to you, um, every Tuesday and, uh, yeah. And lots happening in nomad land in terms of traveling. So if you want to come to Belize or Bali with us, that's happening soon. And if you're interested in diving deeper into your practice of yoga and becoming a teacher, maybe even, uh, we'll be offering our 200 hours up here in the Hudson Valley uh, this fall in September. So you can find out all of that and all the other awesome things that are happening in Nomadland at nomadalwaysathome.com. And uh, we'll have more information on some Movement 109 stuff too that's going to happen over the summer. Okay, have a good one.